0: Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome to the Stargate Archives. No guests this week, no discussion about a Stargate episode. I'm all on my own and I'm going to be looking at uh, the Richard Dean Anson and John DeLancey series Legend. Had a look at the uh, pilot a few months back, I'm going to go on to episode two. Mr. Pratt Goes to Sheridan. This episode was directed by William Geraghty, a name familiar for directing Stargate. Written by Michael Piller, Bill Dial and Tim Burns. Premiered in the US April 25th 1995. As usual, this isn't going to be a running commentary. I'm just going to uh, watch the episode, make a few observations, and any thoughts on the matter, get in touch. Love to hear from you. Right, let's go. The episode opens up with a typical Western scene. The town, horse and cart, jointy Western-style music. Big banner across the main street, welcome home legend. After the uh, events of the season opener, looks like uh, Nicodemus is going to make his home in this small town. Merchandising as well. (laughs) How very forward thinking of them. Then again, as we've seen before, the uh, publisher of his books sold pieces of his hair to female fans. And we see the professor looking in uh, one of the storefronts. Janice Bartok, of course, played by John Delancey. The mirror approaches the professor, very excited to have Nicodemus back in town. He goes on about tourist opportunities, just like uh, San Antonio and the and the Alamo. Hopefully without the massacre. <laughs> and then they get the Native American wooden statue, which nobody seemed to care about back then. Intended to be pride of place in a new wax museum. Bit of turpentine to get off the wall paint. The Glover Brothers intend on opening a legend wax museum. It doesn't really look much like Nicodemus at all, does it? Best they could do on. It short notice. And we cut to a stagecoach. Here's Richard Dean Anderson's first appearance in the episode. Looks an uncomfortable way to travel. As usual, Ernest, Ernest Pratt, of course, is a little bit antsy when a couple of ladies seems to mention that he looks a lot like the person in this dime novel. He hasn't quite got to grips with the fact that his persona has become far more interesting than himself. And he is, he considers himself very much of a failed writer, he hasn't wrote that grand American novel, just these darn novels which are very popular, It's has made him a bit of money, not enough to uh, retire on, because well after all he's going to Sheridan, and it's not exactly a place anybody would choose to spend, well, spend any time there. My name is Ernest Pratt, unlike your Mr. Legend there, I was once a promising writer of books. Ernest is no fool, though. Even though a lot of the townsfolk have come out to welcome him home, little kids with pennants, everybody's crowding around the stagecoach, (laughs) he's already jumped off and made his way to the saloon. Priorities. And that's where the professor finds him. The professor isn't very pleased. As he points out to Ernest, the whole town has come out to greet him, expecting to see legend, not a travel worn Ernest Pratt. They try to sneak back to the saloon so he can get changed, but... The crowd sees him and uh, mobs him a bit. Professor, quick on the draw, he's undercover, incognito. So he's actually bought himself some time, except that the local newsman comes up with a, a telegraph. The notorious Siringo, Jimmy Siringo, is coming to town and gonna give himself up, but only to legend. Who is this Siringo fella? The most notorious bank robber in the West. Sure on his last yeah. job, he killed the guard in cold blood. Interesting. There's your plot of the episode, folks. And cue the opening title sequence. And it still seems strange to have such a long title sequence. Tradition now is 10 seconds, 20 seconds at most. But no, this is a full length. Or the cast, or the crew. Yeah, seems weird. Skeeter, played by Jared Paul, takes Ernest up to his room. Pretty reasonable, looks nice room. Indoor privy, or the mod cons. And Ernest and the professor have a heart-to-heart Ernest is not happy about how the people treat him. He has a contract with his publisher, five books per year. got to work in Sheridan, got to work with a professor. And as the professor says, what makes Ernest think he's got any choice but to be legend? Because the people are proud of him. They almost worship him. He is not going to have a life in this town unless he plays the part. And Ernest is not very happy about that at all. I've got a feeling he's going to have to meet up with this bank robber. You know I'm not Nicodemus legend. What's wrong with you people? They're proud of you. Oh, please. Right then, Ernest, of course, naturally heads for the saloon that evening. We get a nice slow pan around uh, what it looks like a traditional Hollywood type saloon. Some gambling tables, dancehall girls, bar, long mahogany bar, lots of glass, lots of bottles. And Nicodemus approaches. Sorry, Ernest. I'm going to be calling him by both names throughout the uh, podcast. Don't worry about it. And he asks for some whiskey. The bartender says, "Well, I can't sell you any whiskey because Nicodemus doesn't drink." Oh, <laughs> that's going to be difficult, isn't it? In fact, it'd be bad for business if you've seen actually selling whiskey to uh, Nicodemus. Okay, what about coffee? Uh, I've got tea. I'll have a cup of tea, but don't put any tea in it. Put the whiskey in it, and I'll pay full price. <laughs> And the transaction is done. Now this is one difference you'll notice between a modern television show and something from you know twenty odd years back. This scene was a long scene. There is no way a modern show would waste a minute, nearly two minutes on this brief glimpse of uh, the life of Ernest. But it's funny and it does work. And that leaves Ernest with his cup of bourbon to walk around saloon, getting into mischief. Ernest takes himself over to a poker table where some of the locals are having a game uh, asks if it's okay for him to sit down, pulls out his wallet of cash and, uh, well, it's time for everybody else to go home and the bartender walks up and says, oh, uh, Everybody knows you don't gamble, Mr. Ledger and the preacher would be, uh, condemn all these guys to hell if they actually dealt him in So far, Ernest is batting two out of two, he doesn't drink, he doesn't gamble but there is a dancehall girl there, showing a bit of like but that's not to be, because he gets a visitor. Roscoe Barnes, played by Michael Moss, a bank detective. Probably come here to sit down in the meeting as Seringo gives himself up. We'll see what he has to say. Roscoe is here to arrange the meetup with Seringo in Tucson. Ernest is doing his best to get out of it, saying he's got a wedding to go to, or maybe it's a hanging, he's not quite sure. And anyway, the publisher arranges all his meet and greets. And the ace in the hole comes out. Roscoe has spoken to the publisher and has gotten full cooperation. Ernest is going to have to go to Tucson and meet Seringo. Well, that's a plan anyway. And only moments later, we see the plan derailed as Ernest is walking out the back way of the saloon into an alleyway and he is approached by a guy on horseback who introduced himself as Gentleman Jimmy Seringo, played by Stephen Baldwin, a young Stephen Baldwin. It seems that uh, Seringo isn't stupid going into a, a meeting to give himself up surrounded by railroad detectives, armed railroad detectives, trigger happy railroad detectives isn't going to extend his life. <laughs> Let's see what he has to say. I didn't kill anyone Mr. Legend, I'm a bank robber and I'm proud to say a damn good one. Well an interesting tale certainly. Ringo points out that he's well known in these parts, he robbers banks, he is a very good bank robber, and if you do the job right, nobody ever gets hurt, and he hasn't ever shot anybody, he also robs the banks that are insured, so that the local townsfolk don't lose any money, and when required, he shares the wealth, it's the western robin hood, and he points out that it's claimed that he stole $250,000 and killed a detective, well, he didn't do any shooting, the bank only hold 10,000, someone is trying to frame him, destroy his good name. Well, I'm always thinking, I'm already thinking it's Roscoe. Uh, they can, of course, introduce a new character at this point in the episode. Don't like it when episodes introduce characters with five minutes to go and they turn out the bad guy, but Roscoe looked a bit shifty to me. Anyhow, Turingo is going to meet Nicodemus on Saturday in Tucson. But until then, oh, it's up to Ernest to discover the truth. And the legend balloon, hot air balloon, gets out. This is where the CGI and the special effects doesn't quite work in this era of television. But we'll go with it. On board is the professor and his assistant, Ramos. Ernest is all decked out in the Nicodemus garb, the buckskin embroidered jacket. Very smart. They have a discussion about the books. It's a bit predictable in recent times. Ramos went to Harvard, studied literature, a very adept assistant. As Ernest points out, if, if the writer gets killed then the adventure ceases. But not to worry, the professor is behind him 100%, which is very comforting for Ernest. And one thing is for sure, a rabbit in Tucson by a hot air balloon is not going to do his reputation any harm at all. In fact he's probably going to open a few doors that otherwise would have remained closed for this investigation, if there's underhands called Duggery at work, he makes his way to the Midland Mercantile Bank where Roscoe is waiting for him. Roscoe is a bit surprised he's arrived early, but as legend says, he needs to investigate things beforehand. So, where was this guy killed? Details. The devil is in the details. Oh, now this is a nice scene. Roscoe introduces Winslow, the bank manager played by Randy Oglesby. I recognise the face, I don't recognise the name. Anyhow, both these guys witnessed the murder of the security guard, who was on his knees and was shot as Jim was leaving the bank with the money. The professor, having looked at the autopsy, identifies the trajectory of the bullet and where it should have lodged into the floorboard, but it's missing. Roscoe is adamant that he saw what he saw. Legend says, There's a magician friend of mine in San Francisco who had me convinced that he was sawing in half a half-naked woman. Nearly brought my heart to a stop. For you see, that young lady was a dear friend. So something is going on. The facts don't tally with the eyewitnesses. I think you know where this episode is going because that's an awful lot of money to be stolen and banks have been known to discredit insurance companies in the past. In fact, many a movie, many a novel have been uh, centred around bank robberies used to hide the fact of uh, embezzlement and other such matters. Right, as the professor and Ernest leave the bank, Winslow and Roscoe go into the the general manager's office and start to panic. Oh, ominous, there was a problem with the money. The bank manager is seriously worried. Roscoe, not so much. He's pretty confident that... When they kill, murder Seringo on the Saturday, nobody else is going to start worrying about where the money went. And if legend gets in the way, he's going to have to die too. And Roscoe's got big brass ones, But I don't think it's going to work out for him. Call me silly, but I think yeah, he's in for a four. Let's find out. Cue a dark and spooky mortuary. Bodies on the slabs, coffins, there's a sidewall. And they have to actually open the coffin and get the body out and put him on one of the slabs. Nice touch. They're uh, doing the examination, as he points out, who had a year's medical study at Harvard. Fortunate at that. Ernest, not so happy. He's at the doorway, standing guard, with the light. Don't you want to see? No, no. I'll stay out here and stand guard. In case there's a problem with security or something. Why would they be guarding dead people? He read, and get around and power as a boy. It scared the bejesus out of him. They finally get him to come into the mortuary though and go searching for the uh, liver and the uh, heart of the deceased. As they examine the body, they see the entry and exit wounds. (laughs) The wound though, at the wrong angle. And the heart shows that uh, the bullet actually penetrated the back and came out of the chest. So whatever happened, Jim certainly did not shoot this guy. I think we know who shot him. Not a big mystery, and I think we could probably have guessed this right from the start, but... Again, fun scene, great chemistry between the two main actors and even can <laughs> get, we even get a Nevermore from Ernest. Nice touch. Saturday arrives. Roscoe, the Marshal and Ernest are awaiting the arrival of Jim. The Marshal is a little bit sceptical on forensics. As he points out, they may work better in a book rather than a court of law, but like all advances in science and criminology, they have to be proven first. Of course, uh, he's not even going to consider that Jim is innocent until he's actually in custody. But as we know, Roscoe is determined to make sure that does not happen. And at this point, Jim comes riding into town. And the town's folk seem to be happy to see him. A few hats are being waved, people are shouting hello. He's uh, slapping hands with the people as he rides into town. It definitely seems like he may be a bank robber, but he's not considered a bad man. And isn't that normally the case? The man that does bad things to help people is vilified by the rich and the powerful who look after themselves first. Nothing much changes, does it? It has to be said, Roscoe is not being very subtle about the nods to various men situated around town. Three gunmen with forty-fives, and another one with a, a long rifle on the rooftop. We see someone run into town, throw some firecrackers down, amid the confusion. Jimmy draws his gun, and he gets shot in the shoulder and falls off his horse as Ernest runs towards him. He himself is then targeted by the gunman. This is uh, Roscoe cleaning cleaning his house. Thankfully the professor is up in the balloon. He gets his taser, takes out the guy with the rifle, who, nice little stunt, falls from the rooftop and lands on a wagon full of easily collapsible boxes. Meanwhile, uh, (laughs) Jimmy and Ernest are scrambling around various water troughs, trying to get some cover. This is dangerous, very, very very dangerous for Ernest. He's not really prepared for this sort of thing. Ernest may not be the bravest guy around, but he is quick on his feet, and he comes up with a solution pretty quick. Manages to get to Jim, tells him, point your gun at me, take me hostage. And thankfully, I think this is where the marshal proves that he's not in on this piece of shenanigans. He suddenly, you know, he cries out, hold your fire, everybody, he's taken legend hostage. He believes in the legend of legend. And this gives time for the professor to approach in the balloon and lower rope down and take the two men to safety. Roscoe kind of screwed up. He played his hand and he didn't win. Gonna get messy now, ain't it? Really messy. <laughs> they make it out of town and set down a few miles outside at the ranch owned by Mrs. Yancey, who's a friend of Jimmy's. Immediately he gets a bullet through the hat. <laughs> the men die for cover as a little lady comes out with a Winchester and opens up on him. The Wild West. Don't you just love it? (laughs) Beware strangers knocking at your door. Anyhow, Ringo... Ringo. (laughs) So Ringo identifies himself. And she invites him in. It turns out that her husband died. The bank foreclosed on the ranch. And Jim was good enough to rob the bank. Who held the deed. And she was able to pay off the mortgage. Clever. Of course, as then they point out. Oh, like somebody from history. Robin Hood. No. Robin Hood? Joaquin Murrieta? Do they always have to be English? Zorro, or at least somebody that is believed to have inspired the legend of Zorro. Jim then tells his tale how one day he robbed a bank, riding out of town, and his horse pulled up before it hit a woman with a stroller. Jim really knew nothing about it, he rode on to Denver. By the time he got to Denver, the legend had been born, so to speak. It was told that he actually got off his horse and helped the woman to safety. Later on, he used the money from the bank to pay for the child's education. He suddenly became a hero of folklore and he liked it. And that's how his life developed. He was no longer the bank robber. He was the bank robber with the heart of gold who helped people out, who made sacrifices and his name became important. More important than shooting a man for the sake of money. Of course, this echoes exactly what Ernest is going through. He created a persona. The persona has become more important and more loved than he could ever believe. The question is, does he live up to that now? Uh, We think he will. Meanwhile, while all this has been going on, the professor has been examining the bullets. A little bit of physical humour as Ernest has done some magnifying glasses and probably seen the scene in Stargate where we get to see Richard Dean Anderson playing the fool. (laughs) Which he does pretty, pretty good, it has to be said. Anyway, again, a scene, longer than you'd get in a modern day television show, but still works. This is where we get the forensics at work. Professor has identified that the bullet that killed the security guard and that was dug out of Jim's shoulder are the same, or at least the same chemical composition, government issue. Whereas Jim's bullets are straightforward civilian pure lead. So why would the government want to kill one of their own people? Well, As Nicodemus says, if it was in a book, it would be money, embezzlement, and over a long period of time, a little bit here, a little bit there, and then the bank auditors come along, and suddenly you've got a big shortfall in your assets. What could solve that problem? A bank robbery. And kill maybe the whistleblower in the process, maybe the young security guard. And the only way to gather more evidence is to rob a bank. The planning session goes well. They've got a blueprint of the bank, various ceramic figurines for each of the bank robbers. Professor is a little bit disappointed that they're gonna use plain old dynamite. As Jim points out, he's been blowing vaults for 10 years. He knows what he's doing. A bit of a montage of the bank robbery going through its paces, cutting to real time every now and again. You know how it works in the ocean movies, but not here. They've done the planning and now next morning, they're going to rob the bank. I'm not sure how they're going to disguise Legend. They better hope this works, otherwise he's going to be wanted for bank robbery. No, he is not disguised. He is wearing his normal Nicodemus Legend outfit. No mask, no nothing. Oh, fortunately, uh, Roscoe and Winslow are both in the bank as well. Uh, let's see how this is going to pay out. Yep, it seems that this is for public consumption. As Nicodemus puts out that, to everybody in the bank you're going to be in my next book step aside, throw in your guns and my associates will be in to examine the vault what the hell's this? that's the $10,000 I stole from this here bank you broke into this bank to give the money back? at this point he sends a little message out Ramos and the professor come inside without any dynamite with some fancy nitroglycerin gun Jim's not happy but let him get on with it Roscoe then draws a gun, a little derringer by the looks of it, and Ernest whips out his taser and zaps him <laughs> and points out that, yeah, his hair will grow back, don't worry about it. <laughs> nice quick bit of action there. Unfortunately, the electrical discharge has drawn attention to the townsfolk. The bank is slowly surrounded by deputies. Whatever they're going to do, they're going to have to do it quick before the uh, gun happy law enforcement starts taking pot shots. Civilian casualties not that high on the agenda it has to be said in this day and age right the charge has been set a traditional detonator a box with a big handle big box actually and a big handle everybody ducks the plunger is pushed down nothing happens Ernest pokes his head around the corner well it's certainly smokeless (laughs) Uh, I'd keep my head down if I was them because I've got a feeling that this is going to go off unexpectedly and hopefully not destroy the second set of books that they're looking for Professor! Compensating! 30 seconds, Jim! Of course, at this point, it makes you wonder why they don't just point a gun at Winslow's head and tell him to open the safe or else. He must realise that Jim is fighting for his life. He will be hanged for the murder if this doesn't go to plan. He has nothing to lose. Nicodemus, he's not going to murder Winslow, but Jim will. I see no reason why he won't open the safe for him. But he won't get the, uh, <laughs> the drama. That way, I suppose. You've got to have got the hanging on the edge, waiting for this explosive charge to actually go off and hopefully not take any of these guys with them. Meanwhile, the sheriff is getting, or uh, well, the marshal is getting a little antsy, calling for Jim to uh, surrender himself. It's at this point that Winslow, while well, crapping his pants, throws Barnes and Roscoe under the bus. He actually says that he'll drop all the charges. He blame Roscoe for the murder. No honour amongst thieves, it seems. I'll tell them that Barnes was the one who shot Phillips. He's willing to give up his partner. Now I really want to see what's in that safe. Whatever's in the safe is going to vindicate everybody and throw Winslow in jail. Maybe even to the hangman. (laughs) Would you believe it? The explosive charge goes off and the safe goes flying through the roof of the bank. (laughs) The windows get blown out, everybody ducks for cover as debris goes everywhere. And the vault lands in the middle of the street, which actually, when you think about it, is pretty good because you want the marshal to see this evidence with his own eyes. He's already proven himself a straight arrow; he will believe what he sees very nice that, that that was actually unexpected, especially after what happened in the first episode of Legend, where the the vault fell through the floorboards after they used a little bit too much acid, as luck would have it. The actual vault is split open, the second set of books are lying at the floor. The marshal picks one up, dusts it off and starts reading. Looks up at Nicodemus, gives him a nod. Yep, justice is gonna be done. Winslow, Roscoe, Hangman. The trial is set for Tuesday. The marshal doesn't think that you will have to testify as he has all the evidence he needs. The boys ride back to Mrs. Yancey's ranch with good news. Jim has got a reward from the bank. He is a bank robber, but he's got a reward. And an apology from the bank manager. The chairman of the bank trying to head off a libel suit because tarnished jim's good name i'm not sure how that works really he is a self-confessed bank robber even if he only no (laughs) this is just a good happy ending when you really shouldn't be getting this level of happiness all around never mind though this adds to the idea that the good name of somebody the reputation of somebody is more important than short-term benefits nicodemus Ernest, he believes that now he understands a lot more so I think going forward he's going to be more willing to go on adventures to protect the good name of Nicodemus Legend and fight the good fight Thank you Mr Legend Adios James Jim mounts his horse and rides off into the distance as we see a long shot of the balloon and a little bit of dialogue between the Professor and Ernest The adventure is back in your heart again Is that what that is? I thought it was the fish taco from the roadside vendor. As the episode ends, nicely done. Good solid second episode to the series. Lots of adventure, some humour thrown in. You know what you're going to get with Legend. And I hope you enjoyed my look at Mr. Pratt Goes to Sheridan. Second episode of the only season of Legend. The plan is of course to actually watch the entire series and do a little podcast on each episode. Might as well do it myself, it's nice and easy makes interesting viewing. If you can find Legend at the streaming service anytime soon, I'd highly recommend it. It's not too bad. Uh, The DVD isn't expensive either. Region 1, which I imported from Amazon in America. For a look back at Rigidine Anderson's career, you can't go far wrong. If you want to get in touch with me, hope you do, especially if you want to be on the podcast. Always looking for guests who talk Stargate. You can find us on StargateArchives.com. We are on Facebook and Tumblr. We are also on iTunes and Google Play. Yeah, Google Play. I had to jump through a few hoops to get the podcast onto that service since I wasn't a US resident, but it's live now. So if you use Android device and use Google podcast apps, you should find us, Stargate Archives, listed there. On Twitter, we are at the TheGateCast. Probably our biggest and busiest social media presence. Lots of good Stargate fans on the timeline there. Until next time, though, I've been Mike. hope you've enjoyed the show. See you next time. Bye-bye.